Emotions tell us really important information, and I like to think of them as messengers. They aren't dangerous, although they feel really uncomfortable. And the powerful thing to remember is that they don't last forever. So although in the moment it often feels like it will never end, and this is so difficult, and when will this be over, it usually doesn't. It doesn't last for that long, and I often say to my clients, wait through this for 20 minutes, and it will reach a peak, and then it will start to change and decrease over time. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we are so excited to have Dr. Tracy D. on herself. Tracy is a clinical psychologist and a couples therapist. I have been following her for a couple months now on Instagram, and I'm a huge fan of her practical tips. So I just want to say an enormous thank you, Tracy, for coming on to herself during this very chaotic and worrisome time of coronavirus. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them what you do and why you're passionate about it? Absolutely. And let me just start by saying thank you so much for having me on Herself Podcast. I absolutely love the message that you guys are putting out to mothers and women. It is so needed. And I'm often listening to your episodes and nodding along the entire time. So thank you both of you for showing up here. So I'm a clinical psychologist and couples therapist in Ottawa, Ontario. I help women and couples with the difficulties that we all struggle with. So helping people have a healthy and satisfying relationship, being able to connect with our partners and to have an intimate bond. I see a range of difficulties in my office, including depression, anxiety, postpartum difficulties, stress and burnout, relationship difficulties, which can range from discrepancies in desire and difficulties with intimacy, as well as difficulties with communicating. There is such an energy that comes in the room when I'm working with people, and it is so powerful to see people gain insights into what they're struggling with and their patterns in their relationships, and then to start making meaningful changes in their life. So for myself, it is such a privilege to be able to sit in my therapist chair and really see people in their most vulnerable space. So I'm also taking what I do in the therapy room to make it more accessible to those who are not able to access therapy, either due to time, resources, or interest. And I believe that with the clinical knowledge, research, and training that I hold, it's important for me to impart this to more people, uh, more than just those who are sitting in my office. And I do this through my own podcast called I'm Not Your Shrink my new membership space called Be Connected. And of course, my favorite place that you've already mentioned to hang out on is on Instagram. So me personally, I'm a mom of two. My children are almost five and two and a half. And I used to think that completing my PhD was the hardest thing that I would ever do. And now I know that becoming a mom and being in this role is actually much harder and the hardest thing I've ever done. 
Yes. And everything you just said there, I can't wait to dig into this interview because you're just going to provide so much value. Everything that you just said right there, I know we won't be able to get into all the details, but we will be going through a lot of them. And Tracy, many people wrote in questions um, and we're going to be pulling those in today to the conversation. And we're actually going to have this into two parts. So We know, all you listeners, that you don't have a ton of time right now. We get it. It is hard to be listening to hour-long podcasts. So we're going to have two parts. Tracy's going to come on, and we're going to talk about how to cope as an individual. So this entire podcast will be about the individual approach to emotions, to stress, especially as it relates to the world today. And then in the second part of the interview, we're going to go into how we cope as couples. So this is going to be a big one. Um, We're going to start using it in our own marriages right away. And (laughs) a lot of our listeners, Tracy, right away wanted to know about how to cope with their anxiety, their anxiety about coronavirus especially. So do you have any strategies just to get us started that you can recommend? Yes, absolutely. There is so much anxiety right now. And I want to say that no one is immune to experiencing anxiety, especially right now. I have felt the weight of what is happening and I too have been coping with anxiety as it shows up. So I want to start by saying that this is a normal emotion and that now that we know that this is what we're experiencing, we need to be able to find ways to deal with it. So when we feel fear, our nervous system kicks into overdrive and this activates the fight, flight, or flee response. And I think this is important to talk about first because as it relates to anxiety. So anxiety is actually anticipatory. So it prepares us for the what ifs and is often in the absence of a true threat. So with COVID, we are experiencing anxiety when we have not yet got the virus. So that's why we are experiencing such a high amount of anxiety because our our nervous systems are in overdrive. So emotions tell us really important information. And I like to think of them as messengers. They aren't dangerous, although they feel really uncomfortable. And the powerful thing to remember is that they don't last forever. So although in the moment it often feels like it will never end and this is so difficult and when will this be over, it usually doesn't. It doesn't last for that long. And I often say to my clients, wait through this for 20 minutes and it will reach a peak and then it will start to change and decrease over time. So let's talk about some ways of how to cope with it. So the first thing I like to talk with people uh, about is awareness. So this is the first thing that we really need to start doing when we're experiencing this sense of anxiety. And awareness can be incredibly powerful. So we often spend so much of our time doing something on autopilot without truly knowing where our mind is. So I can give you an example. Uh, recently dressing my toddler and realizing I forgot to put her diaper on. It's something I do every day. <laughs> But if I'm not conscious of what I'm doing and I'm caught in my mind, I'm worrying about something, then I will forget to do a step in the routine and I'm not being present. So what does awareness look like? It can simply look like saying, I notice I am feeling, or I notice I'm thinking that, or, hey, I see that my mind has gone to this really anxious space. And what we often talk about here is the the name it to tame it as a powerful way to help deal with anxiety and difficult thoughts. And it can really help to take the power out of it. Okay. So after awareness, now now we need to decide what to do. And one of my go-to strategies I teach clients is really about getting present. So you need to find some way to get grounded and back into the present moment. The goal here is actually to get out of your mind. We have something like forty to 50,000 thoughts a day. That's pretty wild if you think about it. 
the work we need to do here is to get into the present moment. One of the things you could do is you could start by taking 10 slow, deep breaths. This could be through using your senses um, or also through connecting with anything that's happening around you. You know, if you think of you're sitting with your baby, um, what's your child picking up in that moment? I notice the red block. So let me just walk you through an exercise quickly that you can do as you're listening right now. So firmly plant your feet on the ground or if you're sitting somewhere or if you're walking, just notice how your feet feel. And I want you to count five, four, three, two, one backwards. So I want you to use your sense of sight. So I want you to notice five things. So these are things that you can see. So if I'm looking around in my space right now, I see a green figure, you know, I see something on the wall, I see purple in that art. Now with four, you want to notice four things with your sense of touch. What does your shirt feel like? What does the chair feel like that you're sitting at? What are, what are two other things that you can actually notice with your sense of touch? And then three, I want you to notice three things that you can hear. So as I'm sitting here with you guys, I can hear some shuffling. <laughs> I can hear the clock in my office. There's kind of this humming that comes around. Two things you can smell or taste. And then one slow, deep breath. And this is an example of how you can really get out of your mind and get into being in the present moment. We can also cope with our difficult thoughts and feelings by bringing acceptance to them. And now this is actually a really challenging skill and it's going to be really easy for me to talk about it. And it's something that we have to practice over time. The analogy I like to use is like driving a car. So you have two choices. You can be the driver. And this is when you are in your thoughts. So you're following them, you're spinning out, you're catastrophizing, you are down the what if drain. Now this creates more distress and more anxiety. Or what you can do is you can stand on the curb and watch the car drive by. And this is that shift from being in your thoughts to then bringing acceptance and having that space of letting go towards your thoughts. So this also brings about some curiosity, having a space of not judging yourself, judging your thoughts, or not criticizing your thoughts. And the challenge is that once we bring awareness to our thoughts, we can then get into the space of criticizing, like, why can't I just get out of this or stop worrying or oh, I have to find a solution to this. We have these hard thoughts and we want to find a solution. So instead, imagine just being able to watch your thoughts and feelings driving by like a car in the street. So one of my go-to strategies that really comes with the acceptance piece is self-compassion. And self-compassion says that we must first be aware of what is happening inside of us. We need to recognize the common humanity and what we are experiencing. So knowing that you are not alone in the pain, the anxiety, and the uncertainty that you are feeling right now, knowing that others are feeling this too, and then finding a space of kindness and compassion for yourself. So I often ask clients, what would you say to a dear friend? And when I ask this, I can often see that softening in them. You wouldn't say to your friend, why can't you just get on with it or stop worrying already? You would say something like, I'm accepting that this is hard. Or you might even recognize like, hey, it's okay to struggle with this. Others are struggling in this too. I really like that because this is a hard time for mm. all of that, for all of us. And I don't think we should coach ourselves out of that. Like mm -hmm. it's okay to feel like it's hard because it is hard. Yes, of course. And, and oftentimes what we do is we're so critical on ourselves. You know, we have this thought and thoughts are just thoughts, right? They are just pieces of language that are put together. And yet people just, it's like, they almost take this like 
paddle or the pad of paper and lomp themselves on the head instead of being able to say, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. Of course I'm struggling. Okay, let's talk about some other things that you can put into place as well. You know, the biggest thing is, and we've already talked about this, but remember that this is temporary. Um, Our minds are really good at putting us in the future and that you need to remind yourself that right now we are in pain right now, but it's not going to last forever. That can sometimes be really powerful for people. When it comes to anxiety, we know that what we do with our nervous systems is really important. So one thing you can do is physical exercise and movement. Being sure that you're getting movement throughout the day is going to be so important throughout this time. And I would say, you know, get out for two 15-minute walks at least each day. And or if you're running or doing any kind of weightlifting, something that's activating the sympathetic nervous system. Now, the challenge, though, is that anxiety is also coming from the sympathetic nervous system. So you don't only want to be training that part of you. You also want to be activating the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the part of you that's that's the calm down, the relaxation system. One of the important pieces here to remember is that our sympathetic nervous system, so that fight or flight response, is automatic, and we actually have to train the relaxation system. That's why it's often harder to do some of these strategies. So that side would look like doing some yoga, that nice, slow, mindful walk around the block, or doing some mindfulness or meditation. And Tracy, you had mentioned 40,000 to 50,000 thoughts a day. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can only imagine like that makes total sense that it's more difficult to do that part of it than the go, go, go activity side. That's so interesting. I haven't really thought of it that way. And I'm totally with you. I downloaded the app Calm right away in the beginning because I was like at night, I just feel like I need a little aid um, to just calm my mind before bed. I don't typically need that, but right now Mm -hmm. it's feeling really good to do that. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I've I've been doing it more myself at night because I'm finding it really hard just to turn off. And these exercises, I, I think the challenge that people often say when I say, oh, are you meditating? Are you doing any mindfulness? People think, oh, no, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not, you know, I'm not going to light a candle and say, oh, on a yoga mat. Like, <laughs> I have said all not. those things, Tracy. I've said all those things. <laughs> That's okay. Most people do. But, you know, the act of mindfulness is, is really none of that. It's actually just about bringing awareness to what's happening in the present moment. So even if you're not listening to an app at night, just being able to take your mind and noticing and scanning your body. So you might even place your hand on your heart and one on your belly and just feeling the rise and the fall of your chest. You might even go down to your toes and just imagine sending breath to your toes or doing a body scan. Uh, It's another great exercise that you can look up. There's lots of free ones on YouTube where you are actually spending time on different parts of your body and just tuning in. What are the sensations that I'm feeling there? Okay, so the last one that I think is so important here, and that is really about connecting to what's meaningful for you. So what is important to you? So even though anxiety is so big, it's showing up right now, we've got to still do things that are meaningful. And what I know is that when we experience really hard emotions, we want to do anything possible to get away from the hard emotion. And what that often looks like is we want to avoid it. 
We want to numb out. We want to distract ourselves, you know, lots of Netflix. I mean, we might even turn to more eating or alcohol. So this is challenging because then this takes you away from doing what's important to you. So being able to notice, there's that word noticing again, notice that anxiety is there and then making a choice to do things that bring you meaning. And here is, it's even more important to tune into those small bite-sized pieces. So when I'm working with clients, I break things down into small pieces. You aren't going to that big birthday party, but maybe you can Zoom chat with all of your friends or you're not traveling to that destination, but maybe you can you know, research and learn about a new country during this time. And Tracy, this weekend is my daughter's fourth birthday, and we're doing exactly that. We're doing a Zoom chat. So we have, I don't know, 10, 15 people who are all going to jump on for an hour and wish her happy birthday. They're sending stuff in the mail instead. So it does help. I don't know how it's going to go, but I'll let you guys all know (laughs) how that goes for a four-year-old. Have no expectations. That's the best (laughs) way of how it will go. Um, And I just want to compliment you because your voice is so soothing to me (laughs) and I know it's going to be so soothing to our listeners. So I'm already so glad that we decided to do this. Oh, I'm Um, so glad. Thank you. One of the questions that came, came in is where is the line between being informed and being all consumed by the news. Mm -hmm. I do think there is a balance because I know that my best days have been the ones where I've set a boundary for myself and decided today I'm not going to watch the news and I'm going to spend less time on my phone because obviously the topic at hand is very hard to avoid (laughs) Um, it's constantly in our news feeds, but the days that I've let myself shut off, I've definitely felt much better. So, so Amy, let me ask you how, how much time did you spend on your phone that day? Do you remember? Or what what was the boundary? So I didn't watch the morning news. So I usually watch Mm. the Today Show every day and the local news is right before that. So I usually watch those two things. And then I'm on my phone pretty constantly because I have online businesses. Mm -hmm. So I skipped the news and then my phone time was really limited. Um, I mean, I would say I still probably got at least an hour or two on it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge that the information we take in is going to impact us. And it's really powerful for us to remember that you get to choose what information you are taking in. And I think we often forget this because our phones have become such a daily part of our life. Um, I mean, Amy, you said it's part of your business, right? Of course, you're on it for your business, but we get to choose. And the news is somewhat like a car crash. You don't want to look, but we have this innate part of us that looks at awful things. If someone says, ew, don't look, we look. It's just (laughs) what we do. (laughs) So we need to be aware of what information we're taking in, how that information is affecting us. And this really comes back to that awareness piece. So when you're on social media or the news, just start to tune into how you are feeling when you're listening or absorbing this stuff. So for myself, I've actually learned that I shorten my breath when I'm scrolling on Instagram or reading news. And a shortened breath is definitely going to lead to feelings of anxiety. 
So in terms of the amount of time, there's no right or wrong. I, I would say, you know, keep the information that you're taking in coming from government and trusted resources. Um, I suspect that 30 minutes is likely enough, but that's going to range for everybody. Um, and, and I know some people like to take news in in a way of coming from a science perspective or an educational perspective. So just really tuning into how you're feeling when you're on that. And I would recommend two things. So first, start your day without your phones or news. So take 15 to 30 minutes to stretch, sip your morning coffee or tea, connect with your family, just start your day off this way. Because what happens is when you wake up and you immediately turn your phone on, you have just entered the world into your brain, into your mind. You've taken on all of those thoughts and feelings from everybody else out there rather than just the state that you are in in that morning. At the end of your day, make sure you're taking... uh, 30 to 60 minutes to be away from your phone. And I know this is challenging. I'm totally guilty of not doing these all the time. And it's hard to hold myself accountable, but really allowing yourself that space to fall asleep without being being on your phone and absorbing the news. And that is easier said than done. I think that normally it's something that we wouldn't even think to do, but right now it could be a really good challenge. Like we (laughs) wouldn't normally do this, but right now even give it one day, like just tomorrow, Tomorrow morning, let's wake up and the first thing that we do isn't to check our phone. Maybe the first thing is to be with our husband a little bit more or to get up and be with our kids or to get that morning coffee and stretch. Like That hasn't been part of my routine, Tracy, in so long. And Mm. just saying that makes me feel automatically a little bit of relief of like, I could be changing a lot of things right now that are making me more stressed out. They're adding more stress right away at the beginning of the day or right before bedtime when right. you're falling asleep and trying to kind of shrug off a lot of those thoughts. And then, yeah, having the calm app or having a book before bed or something that's calming besides the news or Instagram or just the constant never-ending feed, very helpful. Yeah. So I think what's important is that a lot of people will say that they are struggling to sleep. Um, and of course, because if you're absorbing the news so late at night, it's really hard. Um, I would definitely, if you are someone that's feeling all of the thoughts running in at night, what I would say is give yourself that 60 minutes before bed, set up time away from your screen and build a nightly routine where you are nurturing yourself, you're kind of resourcing yourself, um, whether you develop a skincare routine or you put on your favorite lotion or you just really pay attention to how it feels to massage your hands. And then add in that stretching, that yoga, that mindfulness, just all of those things that you can do to really turn down your mind, right? It's like you're kind of slowing down for the day instead of being connected to everything else. All right. We're recording this at night. I'm going to do that tonight. So Amy, Tracy, (laughs) hold me to it. And we all know this is such a tough time. It's extremely difficult for so many people. And we get messages all the time from women who are pregnant. They just found out they were pregnant. And as someone who right now I'm 18 weeks pregnant, I can completely relate to how hard Mm -hmm. and changing our experience is with all of this. It's different. Like This is not the same as my last two pregnancies whatsoever. So with this, a lot of women are now finding out, Tracy, that they won't be able to have their partners Mm -hmm. in the delivery room. Um, Maybe they have a brand new baby at home and grandma can't even come to meet this brand new baby. Um, They can't, like the meals being dropped off. They're nervous about that. They're nervous about, you know, going out to eat for the first time. They're nervous about all these things because we can't do those things like we normally would. 
So these are the times that really call for women to have more support, more than they ever need during pregnancy, Mm -hmm. obviously in the delivery room, and then right postpartum. So can you share some ideas for these women specifically, or for people who know and love these women that are going through such a vulnerable time? during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. This is such a hard time in the space of uncertainty where you're feeling so vulnerable as, as a mom or someone who is pregnant, you, you really want to ensure that your babies are healthy and safe, that you're supported. Um, yeah, this is just going to be such a challenge. So I think that being able to sit with the idea that you are vulnerable right now is incredibly important your emotions make sense. And this really is a scary time. Um, and that, that and alone, sometimes we just need to sit with that. But when we do feel anxious, we can sometimes ask ourselves, is there something that I can control? Can I find an answer to this? And if there is, do that. So um, if it's about having meals brought in, you know, perhaps it is someone that you trust who, um, you know, you, they haven't traveled or they haven't been exposed, that they can make a meal in a safe place for you. Or perhaps you're preparing that food yourself in advance. So having that planning come into place there and knowing what that's going to look like. Um, I think the other thing around this is, is it going to be around boundary setting and being able to say what's okay for you and what's not okay for you. And that also might help ease some of that anxiety. So if there are family members who want to visit and perhaps you don't feel comfortable with that, allowing yourself to set those boundaries right now is going to be okay and important that you do that in advance so that people know. I think that could be really important in terms of helping um, deal with that anxiety. I mean, I've spilt tears thinking of Mm. my friends that their experience like my friend is about to have her first baby and this is completely going to change her experience and it's already a time where women are so vulnerable and Mm. they need support so just to think of what we can do for these women that are going through this incredibly exciting but also very very as we all know uh because we're all moms like the postpartum period is such a challenging time as is so I just really feel heartbroken for these women and just to completely justify you know that feeling like you might have to grieve that a little bit yeah, it's that it's the grief that shows up. And this is something that I'm frequently talking about with clients, with um, friends, colleagues, with myself, is that we have these expectations in our life. And, you know, when we think about what it means to become mom or to welcome a new baby, it, we don't expect this to happen, right? right? And we have these expectations. And when reality set is much different than that, we we ha- we have no choice but to grieve that and and it's hard and and it is a loss and and being able to sit with that loss is really important and and i think we need to acknowledge that and and i'm so glad that this question has come up um just for us to be able to to sit with that and to acknowledge it yeah and you know the one thing that i have kind of been thinking is that to know as a woman as a new mom that you are doing the best thing to to keep your baby safe mm-hmm. I think that is the reassurance of like you know that you would do anything to keep this baby safe and um 
you know, just to really be open with your partner about how he or she could maybe step up and, and help you get through this challenging time. But we are definitely thinking of all of you that are experiencing pregnancy and postpartum in this way. Um, another really difficult question that we got is from those that are on the front lines. We received a lot of messages from registered nurses about how they can cope with their feelings. You know, some of them feel this impending doom and how can they cope with thinking that they might be the one to expose their family members? I think, you know, there's this enormous layer of complexity added when these men and women are going and, you know, they're at the front lines fighting this disease, helping people mm-hmm. fight this disease. Yeah, this is such a hard space to be in. And I think first just wanting to recognize and acknowledge all of these these people who are working in the front lines. I know that this is not an easy time and we so value the work that they are doing. Uh, this type of question pulls for really wanting to know the certainty of the situation. And it's so hard because there isn't any certainty in this. I'm reminded of the dialectic here. And this is the idea the concept, the dialectic is the idea that there are always opposing opposites in our life. So it's not either or, it's not but, it's and, and that there are things that are always in constant motion and things are always changing. And so here the dialectic would sound like this is really uncomfortable for me to be working and I can still show up and do my best to practice safely. So these are two things that are completely opposite and it asks you, in, in a way, to bring radical acceptance to what you are experiencing. It feels really uncomfortable. Um, with regards to not being able to control whether you get sick or not, I like to turn to a statement of acceptance or some kind of daily mantra. Um, it, it reminds me to not get swept away from what is happening. And you know, working on, as an RN or on the front line as a physician, you might say to yourself, I am healthy today. But I think the other piece that's really important here is that we need to remind ourselves as frontline workers that you also need to turn off. You can't be on in your caregiver mode all the time. So this means that maybe you are reading less of the news or on social media less, or you are asking for that extra nap on your day off or ensuring that you're getting enough sleep and carving out specific time just for you so that you can really look after yourself. So if you're one of those individuals, one of the essential workers in our world today, thank you. And you do get some off time. So make sure you're taking that and thank you again for everything that you're doing right now. And I think one thing, well, I know one thing because it happens in my own life as somebody who likes to control things, there are so many unknowns right now. So things are changing every single day. It's hard for people to see the light at the end of the tunnel, especially just every single day it's changing. Like we don't even know what next week's going to mm-hmm. look like. We don't even know what tomorrow's going to look like because things can literally change by the hour. So what advice, Tracy, would you give to a patient or to our audience right now that are struggling with those feelings of uncertainty? All right. So I would say you need to sit in it. And 
I chuckle a little bit <laughs> because I have some clients who hate when I say this. <laughs> and, and for some of them, it, it becomes kind of that joke in that really tough and raw emotion. So when that emotion comes up and they say, so what do I do? And when I pause and they'll just say, I know, I know, I just need to sit in it. And it is so hard. It, this is such a painful and hard feeling and it just doesn't go away. And it, I, if we keep trying to push it away, then it's going to keep being there. And there's this balance, right? We don't want to sit in this all day long. We need to continue to connect with what's meaningful, but you do need to allow yourself to be willing to work through what is really painful right now. And if you don't, it's going to find other ways to come up. So sometimes it comes up through not being able to sleep or comes up by eating more, whatever that might be. So just allowing yourself to notice what it feels like to be in uncertainty. And for some people, they might come to tears and they might cry. Other people might find journaling really helpful or talking to their partner about it. Um, just knowing that there is this weight that so many people are feeling right now. And then letting yourself shift into getting really present and grounded. That's going to be really important as we continue to move forward is trying to get out of our minds. And Tracy, Amy brought this up on our podcast episode last week, and it was the first time that I really thought about it and actually did it. And the next day I did exactly that. And you are so right with how different it was. Like it was a hard, hard week that first week. And then right away, just by being present, really feeling those feelings and going through them, that yeah. was the turning point that made, it didn't make everything completely better, but it made it no. a lot more improved. I think that's important here, though. Sitting with an emotion doesn't change the outside circumstance. We can't change what's happening. There's something that's unfolding for us. We have no control, but we can choose what we do when our emotions show up. Yeah. I think for so many of us, you know, even before this, but especially right now, people want to numb their emotion. You know, maybe they're having more glasses of wine or whatever. But I've been telling myself, I'm like, Aim, you got to feel these. Like these are yeah. here to be felt. And, um, you know, I think that that's an important point is that these are valid feelings, you guys. The things that we're going through, all of us together, this is valid. Tracy, thank you for all your words of wisdom today. We are so excited to have you back on and a future episode to go through how to navigate this all as couples. So that will be coming up very, very soon. But for now, can you let our audience know where they can find more of you and also about your resources with Be Connected? Absolutely. So you can find me on my website, drtracyd.com or on Instagram at dr.tracyd. So I recently launched this really exciting space in February uh, to help women master their relationships. So I hear from women and mothers every single day looking to improve their relationship and elevate their connection with their partner. And yet what I know is that it is so hard to get services either because it's hard with the kids and scheduling, um, or we don't have the time, or it's hard to get the house with our partner, or we're not able to afford therapy. So Be Connected is my new membership space. It is an educational space where I teach 
women, the skills that I teach my couples and clients every single day for the cost of three coffees a month. So our topics range from understanding what your disagreement is about, understanding your attachment style, communication tools, setting boundaries and addressing the mental load. And I'm so excited to share with you guys. I have already heard from women in my membership that they are seeing changes in their relationship, which is so powerful. And Tracy, I was able to go through some of those resources and look through it. And it was, there's just so much value to it. Like there's so much information, especially if you don't have a therapist of your own, it's a great resource to use. I'm so glad. So you guys, this is a really hard season for all of us. Just know that we are right there with you. We are so thankful for Tracy to come on and speak to us from her expert point of view. I know therapy is looking a little bit different right now and we're having to do it through computers and phones, but thank goodness for that. Um, So we will be with you guys through this. We're excited because Tracy is going to come on again, like we said, and we're going to talk all about couplehood during this pandemic. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you found it helpful, please take a screenshot, tag Tracy and herself so that it can reach more people that really need it. Thank you so much for having me here, Amy and Abby. Of course. Of course.